Hello and welcome back to SEMA's podcast, Y'all Ready for This, where we talk about all things emergency preparedness to help you and your family get ready for any type of natural or man-made emergency right here in Chatham County. This week, you guys, I'm really excited to bring to you the individuals from the Chatham County Public Information Office. They are incredible. You guys will learn about it soon enough. Um, but with me today, I have the director, Catherine Glaspie, and the assistant director, Abigail Murphy. Thanks, guys, for being here. Hello. Thank Thanks you. We're, we're happy to be here. Yes. Well, yes. So you guys, you may recognize their voices or their faces. They post, they host their very own podcast, The Chat, that talks about all things Chatham County. So if you're ever in the mood, hop on over to their station and listen to information about The Chat. I've been on it a couple of times. It's a lot of fun. They're pretty dynamic and they take you all over the place. Am I right? Do you guys take them all over the place? We do. Anything that uh, is a resource for Chatham County for our residents, we talk about. From mosquitoes to parks, we got you covered. That's right. <laughs> Please make that your tagline. Your tagline. That's incredible. From mosquitoes to parks, we got you covered. Um, Abby, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. All right. So listeners, today we are going to talk to you about what happens during an emergency situation. So you guys are accustomed to receiving SEMA alerts on your phone, or maybe you follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Have you ever wondered where those messages come from and who originates them? Well, take a good look because this is the team. Yay. <laughs> or at least part of the team. Uh, we'll talk about how expansive our program has gotten over the last couple of years since Catherine took over at the beginning of Hurricane Matthew. Gosh, bless but it's been a heck of a ride. Uh, but let, Catherine, let's go ahead and start. What in the world can you tell us what this idea of a joint information center is, how it's structured, and how we kind of have grown over the last couple of years? Sure. So a joint information system, or a joint information center, I should say, is a part of a GIST, which is a joint information system. Um, but the JIC, as we call it, um, it's kind of where all the communicators come together and they figure out what, our, what the messaging needs to be for a, um, a certain event. And then they start putting that out to the public. Um, they're also the, the media liaison. So when a media person wants a, an interview with the incident commander, um, which very often for us is Dennis Jones, your boss, Chelsea, um, and yeah. Um, it, depending on the incident, but a lot of times for us, it is him, um, you know, but people want to, to talk to him. Our residents want to hear it on the news from him directly because he is the authority uh, on emergency management in this area. Um, so we arrange those interviews. Sometimes behind the scenes, we will be um, giving him talking points, making sure that he has all the facts that he needs to make sure that he gets it right when he does an interview. Not that we really have to do that with him. Um, he, he knows his stuff, so I don't really have to do that a whole lot, but sometimes it's just more comfortable if you have something in front of you that you can refer back to. Um, so those are some of the things that we do, but all the social media that goes out during, we'll, we'll say a, a hurricane, during a hurricane, all that social media that's going out, all the information that's going on the SEMA and Chatham County website or the um, uh, ready.chathamcountyga.gov. I got it. I got Yay. it. That one always trips me up. Um, our emergency website that only gets activated at a certain level of disaster. Um, all that information is coming through 
the, the JIC, the Joint Information Center. Um, and we're also, like I said, we're doing those interviews and things like that. We're also monitoring social media and the media to make sure that they aren't putting something out that maybe isn't quite right. Most of the time it is, it is close to right, but then they'll have one little tiny, tiny thing wrong. But for a resident, that could be huge. Um, so we're monitoring that so that we can work with them. And it's not that our media is doing anything bad, um, but we'll, we'll be able to call them and say, hey, this wasn't quite right. And they're like, oh, God, let me fix that right now. Um, so, you know, they know that they can get their information from us and we're the official source and, and they get it out for us for our residents. So that's a lot of what we do uh, within the, the Joint Information Center. When you're thinking about a hurricane and one that we might have to evacuate for, we're getting a whole lot more media than just our, you know, like six or seven media outlets that we have here. Uh, we're, we're getting NBC National, NBC New York, CBS National, ABC National, Fox News. They're all coming in, the Weather Channel. They're all coming into us and we are that official conduit of information. So there needs to be a centralized place for that to come from. Uh, and that's what the Joint Information Center does. And then a traditional Joint Information Center, or a JIC, uh, I'm going to start referring to it as a JIC, but when, in a traditional sense, you would get all these professional communicators from all your municipalities, your Department of Health, the school system, all those things, they would come together and start putting out that information. We've never found that that actually works here because a lot of our municipalities don't have public information officers um, and the city has their own ECC instead of EOC um, that they, they man. So their, their PIOs are there. We're in constant contact with them, but they're gonna be there instead of with us. Um, school board, sometimes they, they have to be where their command people are or they've been asked to evacuate so that they're, they can be safe and come back after the storm. Same thing with DPH. So it hasn't really worked for us. And we, we found during Hurricane Matthew in October of 2016, that was the first storm. Chelsea, you and I, that, that was like the beginning of, of all this craziness that has been for us for the last five years. Yeah. Um, I had been with the county for about 10 months. I had been the PIO for the county for about six months. And I got married and went on my honeymoon. And I, I have a counterpart. This was before you started. And I had a counterpart over at um, the DA's office. And I said, hey, could you fill in for me for this week while I'm on my honeymoon? I swear to you, you won't have to do anything but maybe write a press release or answer a media call. It's, it will be very, very calm. The storm is not coming here. We're all okay. And she said, yeah, sure, I can do that for you. Um, she ended up working a, a seven-day activation. Um, I think she slept for about six hours during that seven days. Um, and she became my best friend uh, after that and my, my JIT partner after that. Um, but I actually didn't make it back. I kept trying to come back, but I didn't make it back until after the storm actually hit. In the meantime, you had started with SEMA, like, what, two weeks before Matthew hit? And you were getting married. I so, was. <laughs> So you left like right when I got back. I think we missed each other by like a day. Um, but Matthew taught us that we couldn't do it by ourselves because you and Kristen were trying to do the entire joint information center 
by yourselves. And yes, you had partners out in the, the other agencies that were, were helping you as much as they could, but they had other responsibilities and they just couldn't, they couldn't physically come to the JIC and, and start helping you. Um, so in light of that, you and I decided that we were going to reorganize the JIC. And that was about the same time we were starting to bring on staff for the PIO office because at that time I was by myself. That's when Abby joined us and our, our former colleague, uh, Nick Beard, uh, joined us. And so it was the four of us. It was four of us against the world, right? And we Yay. did a couple of tornadoes <laughs> that way. Um, and, and a small activation, that, that's fine. Having the four group of four of us is, is, is good. Um, but we decided if we've had a Matthew, what happens when we have the next storm? So we started looking internally at all of our different departments. There's 23 departments that report to the county manager. And then we have a whole bunch of county agencies as well, like the DA's office, voter registration, board of elections, tax commissioner. Um, and we started looking at the, the employees there and saying, who has special skills? Who has special skills that could help us out? So now we have people from the DA's office, we have people from the clerk of commission's office. Uh, we have HR folks. We have voter registration, uh, CNT, which is our counter narcotics team. Um, there, there's even more than that. And that's what I can think of off the top of my head. But each of those people have a certain skill. Like we have a, a lady over in HR um, and she's a, an admin over there, but she's a professional photographer. So during a storm, we grab her and say, hey, come take pictures for us. Um, we have uh, the clerk's office. So normally they're the ones that are taking the minutes for the commission and, and handling all those kinds of things, working with the commissioners. What do they do all the time? They take notes, they, they make them verbatim, which is amazing. They do a lot of proofreading and they already have established relationships with our elected officials. So drawing them into our group was great. Uh, they help us with our press releases. They help getting the word to the commissioners. Um, CNT, uh, we have a young lady over there that comes over and works with you a lot, Chelsea, on social media. And she just, she's a very level-headed person. And, you know, when people are trolling us, she's just like, oh, okay. Well, let me just, let me just hit them with facts, you know. Um, <laughs> Luann is great about that. So that's kind of how we started switching over. Now we don't bring all those people in until we get to a certain level of activation. So we're not going to take all those resources out of their departments if we don't need to, but they're there when we do need them. I know that was the really long way around this, but it's hard to explain other than that. So, um, well, it, it's, it's hard to give a, yeah, it's hard to give a historical perspective without taking the time to be able to do so. So I thought you did a fantastic job with that. Thank you. Okay. What you, what you failed to mention, though, from the beginning is that you're in charge of it all. And that's why we brought you here. You are yeah. our lead PIO. So there is like an organizational structure that Catherine, and, you know, Abby and I really just sat down a couple of months ago to solidify that this is the organizational structure that we're going to stick with uh, because we've seen it work even up at national classes that Catherine's gone to. Catherine, can you explain right. that structure a little bit? And then... Go ahead and jump right into what in the world does a lead PIO do, and we'll kind of work down from there. Okay, 
So our, our structure is pretty simple. We have a, a lead PIO um, and then it's kind of in charge of this, this external function group 15 or ESF 15 as we call it, um, or the, the JEC. Um, so the, the lead PIO is in charge of that. And then often you'll have a deputy PIO or a, a JIC manager. Um, and then that person is, is really kind of organizing everything that's happening in the JIC. They have their pulse on, on everything, their fingers in, in every pie. So that they know what this person's working on. They know when this product needs to go out. They know when we need to get information from this group or that group. Um, so that, that position is like really important. And then we have five different divisions within the JIC. And we've kind of, we, we've restructured this as well and we've kind of made it our own. But when I went to an advanced public information officer course up in Emmitsburg at, at the EMI, uh, Emergency Management Institute, I found that having kind of like divisions that were strike force groups really worked well in our exercise up there. So I brought that back and said, Chelsea, what do you think about this? And you were like, well, that sounds kind of cool. Um, so what we did was we made these five different divisions and we're gonna go a little bit more in depth in what these five different divisions do, um, but I'm gonna get Abby to help me with that in a minute. Um, but we have social media and website. We have content creation and dissemination, uh, videography and photography, uh, information gathering and a VOST and Chelsea and a while, if you wanna to touch on VOST, I'll let you do that because you knew that one better than I do. And then we have field PIOs. Um, and like I said, we'll kind of go through what each one of those has responsibilities of doing, but I'll start with the lead PIO. So again, everything stops with me. Um, so I, I, the buck stops here. I'm the one that's in charge. Um, and if something's gonna go wrong, it's gonna be my fault. Um, and luckily I have amazing people that work with me and there's very rarely that something goes wrong. I'm not going to say that we get all the information right. I'm not going to say that we even get it out perfectly. Um, but crisis situation is just that. And it sometimes things can't happen in the order that you think that they're going to happen or as fast as you think that they're going to happen. Most of the time, it isn't misinformation that goes out. It's information that when it went out, it was correct. 30 minutes later, it's not correct. Uh, and that's because it's a crisis evolving situation. Um, but it's my job to work with the command staff, the incident commander, the county manager, the board chair uh, for the commission, some of the elected officials to make sure that we're getting all the messaging that we need and knowing what direction that we're going in. Um, means that I don't get to sit in the JIC and work with all the wonderful, amazing people that are there all the time. It means that I go off to meetings like every five minutes. Um, but it, it, that's, that's how the JIC gets its cues on what we need to do is because I'm sitting in those meetings where they're making the decisions. I may not necessarily be a part of the decision-making process, but I'm, happening, I'm there while it's happening. And I can sit there and text, hey, we're going to put this out in 20 minutes. Get it ready. You know, as soon as you get it ready, send it to me, send it to the incident commander, let us approve it, let us get it out. Um, so, and, and then when there's problems that arise, um, if we get something on social media that's just crazy, sometimes I'm the one making the decision on how we're going to respond to that, or, or the website, or the media. 
um, I'm the one that's going to make that decision ultimately on how the, how it's going to be handled. But like any good manager, I'm going to come back to my division heads, like the two of you, and go, what's your input? What do you think we need to do? You're closer to what product you're working on. What do you think we should do? And, you know, I trust you guys implicitly. Ultimately, the decision has to come down to me because I'm, I'm the one that's in charge. But I, I feel it's really important to have that input. So that's kind of what a lead PIO does. Um, it can be a fun job. It can be an overwhelming job. Um, and there are definitely times and days that it is not fun. Um, but you, you're, always, you're always striving to make sure that the right people get the right information at the right time. That is the mantra of crisis communications for emergency management. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we are with that. That help you with the lead PIO? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> okay. All right. Sometimes let's move I get over to my own stuff. Yeah. You, I love that you, you always have your own spin on it. And I think it's awesome. And I think that that's what makes this JIC so successful is who sits at the top of it. So I think it's fantastic. Speaking of people who sit at the top of it, let's talk about the next level. And that is our JIC manager, our deputy PIO, and our Chatham County Public Information Officer, Assistant Director, Abby, tell us a little bit about your JIC manager role and what that looks like. I know this will be your first like hurricane season or your first activation coming up in that pool role, but you've honestly filled it, filled it for the last several years. So what do you think? What's, what's going on with it? Well, as Catherine mentioned, um, when she's sitting in meetings and she's texting someone that this needs to go out, I'm usually the one that's receiving that text. And so I will delegate that to the necessary person or do it myself. It just depends on what's going on. Um, I just kind of feel like I have my finger on the pulse of everything that's happening. Um, Catherine's telling me what's going on. Other people in the JIC are telling me what's going on. And I'm making sure that everyone has the resources that they need. Um, if there's anything I can do to help, I just, I feel like I kind of float around and just make sure everyone's okay and everything's getting done. Um, so it's, uh, there's never a dull moment, really. Um, it really isn't. <laughs> and I just yeah. want to say, she kind of glossed over that for a second, but she's actually the one that is in charge of anywhere from four to, to about six people at any given time and making sure that that work product is happening and that it's going out when it should. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a huge role. Um, unfortunately, it's one that she's kind of leaving behind, except in small activations, because she has been promoted to lead PIO on the opposite shift as me. Um, so big blow to me, because she is my rock of Gibraltar, um, and I don't quite know how I'm going to do an activation without her, but uh, we, will, we will muddle through. Um, because that also gives me a lot of uh, security on the other end, knowing that my B shift is going to be handled exactly the way that I want it to be handled. Um, and, and unfortunately, through some strength events, we lost our, our other lead PIO uh, who, who went to work for somebody else. So happy for her, but left a hole for us. But Abby, will be, we'll be plugging that hole, but it leaves a, a bigger hole for me. It'll be interesting, <laughs> but I'm up yeah. to the task. <laughs> yes. Be awesome. 
it's going to be awesome because, uh, you know, Catherine mentioned it during Hurricane Matthew with the person that she promised would only ever have to write a press release, um, that that individual worked a seven day shift and slept for about six hours. So Catherine says that she has a B shift and that she's going to take time, but we all know it's not going to happen. Catherine's just going to continue to work for an unknown amount of time. So it's going to be great. We're all going to continue to work together and, and work through all the different pieces. All right. So we've talked about lead PIO. We've talked about JIC manager, deputy PIO. Um, I think we've uh, obviously social media and website design. That one is kind of self-explanatory, um, but Abby, you want to cover yeah, a little bit since you manage those? Don't gloss over that because you can talk about that. That that one is yours. You're in charge of that. And I think that social media is a really important topic to mention, Chelsea. I mean, talk, tell us a little bit about, I'm, I'm moving into your role for a minute. <laughs> tell us a little bit about what you do for social media during an activation. Yeah, well, it, so social media is a lot of fun. It does give you a lot of different perspective. Uh, dealing with the general public on a consistent basis. So you guys are watching this in some form of social media right now, or you're listening to it, podcasts and you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all those are included. So we are award-winning in our social media capabilities during an emergency situation because we ramp up. We're running 24-7 operations. We're making sure that your questions are answered. So I'm kind of the person behind the the... The keyboard there, I guess, instead of behind the wheel, uh, answering your questions, going live on social media, talking about you know the challenges that we're seeing, things that you should do, and how you can prepare. It's a really fun department division to be a part of uh, because it's like the direct line of communication. So just like we have a phone bank for people that answer phones, we have a bank of people that are solely responsible for answering questions on social media. So that's what the entire unit or division is. Is really doing in social media. It's fun. But it's, it's a lot of fun. It's one of our most important roles that we have um, in getting communication out because while while we love our, our media partners and we know that people watch the media, if if they want to interact with us one on one during a crisis, that's where they're going to do it. Is social media? They can ask a question and they're going to get an answer, um, and they're going to get an answer in a fairly timely manner. Uh, you're not going to have to wait hours to get an answer. You're going to get an answer probably within 30 minutes max if we're busy. I know you guys strive to do it pretty instantly, actually. Um, so, but, you know, there are times that that, that changes. But, okay. Well, and it helps, I, 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 I turn host duties back over. Well, I was just going to say that knowing the questions that people are asking on social media, it helps to inform us, like, oh, should we make some sort of infographic? Because this seems to be a confusing matter that's happening right now and so that way we can post it and then that can be shared widely so it's just it's just a really important line of communication that um, we utilize yeah absolutely and abby fantastic segue here into content creation uh, do you want to explain that one a little bit i mean you kind of started with you know understanding what needs to be created in that partnership well um since we've been going at this for years we actually have some kind of standard content that we can, we know to expect if a hurricane comes, you know, there's probably going to be some traffic signals out. There's going to be some things to be, that, that we expect will occur with any hurricane. And so we have those infographics ready to go because it can be confusing to remember what to do when the traffic light goes out. Um, so we actually create plenty of content in advance knowing what could potentially happen. 
Now, of course, every storm is a little different, so we have to create things on the fly as well, depending on what's going on. And so that's why it's so important to to know what people are like, what people are saying on social media, um, what people are, what questions people are asking at phone banks, um, anything like that. Uh, that helps to inform us and know, oh, hey, we need to create something new. We can't pull something from, or maybe it's something we had created, but we need to tailor it more specifically to the storm. So we, we try to do everything as efficiently as possible um, to get that information out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's important to point out too, in, in that same division, we actually have a dedicated person that's answering the phone when the media calls. Um, so that we're making sure that we're not missing stuff from them. Because again, that is one of our main conduits to our residents and our visitors is, is the mainstream media. Um, so we want to make sure that they aren't having a hard time getting in touch with us. We're trying to make sure that their interview requests or their questions don't get lost in the mix. So we have a person that's dedicated to that. Um, it, the phone calls come in on my cell phone. When we activate on that scale, I hand my cell phone over to somebody and I don't see it again until we shut down the jet, um, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, but, you know, I mean, that I think that's important to note that we have somebody who does that within that division that's completely devoted to that conduit of information. Yeah, it was huge when we added that role. That helped out so much to know that there's one dedicated person to handle your phone. Right. Really helps. Yeah, it's always a game of hot potato, or at least it was before that position of like, who's got Catherine's phone now? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I actually had a reporter one time ask me, and they were like, hey, I've been trying to call you for two days, and you're not, I can't get you on your phone. And I'm like, dude, when, when the activation happens, I'm not going to see my phone again until we shut down the jet. It's just not going to happen. Um, but ask to speak to me, and they will get you to me. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's just, it's the way it is. Um, but Chelsea, our, ne our next division is also another, it's another way of getting information to people. We're going to use those conduits of either the, the media or social media or our website, but videography and photography are so important. You know, when I was growing up, it was always a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if a picture is worth a thousand words, then a video has to be worth 10,000 words. Um, and we have become a very visual society and watching videos. And you have worked with our, our videographer in the past during these crisis situations to make sure that we are getting content out so that people know exactly what we're doing. We've taken tours through the EOC um, so that people know what each position is. They had a chance to ask questions to the people that were watching uh, through Facebook Live. We've done videos um, with our uh, ASL interpreters, American Sign Language interpreters, so that we aren't leaving a section of our community without communication. Uh, we now do a lot of stuff, not necessarily in video, but we do a lot of stuff with our other communities, uh, like our Hispanic community, um, because we don't want anybody to not get life-saving messages. So we, we have a videographer and we have a photographer during uh, an activation, and they can help with those kind of videos. Sometimes they're gonna be out with the drone um, and looking at damage assessment so that we have, a lot of times, think about Hurricane Matthew. Hurricane Matthew, we had quite a bit of debris down. I say that very tongue in cheek. Uh, the, the 
the feds actually went back and readjusted the model of how much they expect an area like ours to get damaged based on what we had from Matthew because they were like, we should have like a quarter of the damage. Um, so when, when that's happening though, it's dangerous for our media to be moving around and trying to get those videos themselves. Um, we've got trees down, we've got power lines down, we had flooding, all those things became very dangerous. So we actually, I don't think we did it for Matthew, but we did it for Irma. And we, we actually sent somebody out to get that footage for them and said, here it is, Use, here's raw, raw footage, use it however you want. Um, but we don't want you to get electrocuted by waters or by um, power lines that are down. We don't want you driving across bridges that haven't been okayed by the Department of Transportation as safe. Um, so we've been doing those kinds of things, which I think have been very important. Our news media seems to have really embraced that idea. Um, and now that, that there's streamlined ways to get video out to them, that, that helps. Um, photography, taking pictures of people while they're working, taking pictures of damage, um, taking pictures of recovery efforts. Those are all really important because they tell a story. And that's what we do as communicators, we tell stories. Um, and so I think that that, that division is uh, very important. It's one that we will continue to grow over time. It's just now in its infancy, um, but you'll see more and more of, a, of visual content from us um, as we progress, maybe not in a crisis situation. I can hope, I'm gonna find some wood and knock on it, that we don't have any kind of crisis situation this year other than a health crisis. Um, we, we don't want crisis. We don't, we don't ask for these things to happen. So, um, but another one that we have is information gathering. So we're always looking for information that's, that's out there somewhere, whether it be on the news or whether it be in uh, social media or on the internet and making sure that you know, we're fact checking. And sometimes that's how we get rumors. So I can think of a couple, um, I believe it was, we were preparing for Dorian. Um, and there was some supply chain issues leading up to that. And people were saying, oh, gas stations all across the place are closing because they can't get gas. Well, when we started doing some research on that, turned out that that wasn't happening here. It was happening in some of the communities around us, but it wasn't happening here. So we were able to immediately address that and say, no, you can still get gas. You can still leave town. Please go evacuate. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of information that we're looking for when, when we have these information gathers. We're not trying to catch anybody anything. We're not trying to tell anybody that you're just out and out wrong. We're just trying to find those pieces of information that aren't quite right and dispel them for everybody else so that we don't make our own crisis. Um, and, and really, the, the VOST is a part of that. And Chelsea, do you want to kind of explain very high level what a VOST is? Yeah, so VOST is a virtual operations support team, and it's very similar to the way that Catherine just described information gathering. It's just like a more formal term that other people may be familiar with or other communication teams across the country might be familiar with. You know, VOST was really helpful when you think back to Hurricane Harvey in 2017, where they had people that were 
really just going onto Twitter and going onto Facebook and saying, hey, I'm trapped on top of my roof and there's nothing that I can do and 911 isn't working or I can't get through to 911 and they're posting, I need help. So there was a VOST team, I think out of Colorado that started deploying and virtually deploying and helping really kind of keep track of all of these people that were saying that they were lost or they were confused about what to do or they didn't have an idea of what they could do or what resources were available. And then sending that data directly to the emergency operations center so that they would be able to respond effectively. And they really found that that was a fantastic resource that I don't think a lot of people had really thought about or used before. So we started to see a lot more technology evolve out of this era of 2017 and 2018 with all the storms that started to come through. Uh, so this is our version of a boss so that we can handle it internally, but fully recognizing that we may have to rely on other people outside of the area or even residents to be able to tell us what's really happening in the community. When we're in our mode of JIC, when we are just into the keyboard and into all these meetings, it's hard to kind of break away and just watch the news for a while or just, you know, just look through social media. So this is a team that's solely focused on that piece so that we try not to miss anything that could be happening in our community. Right. And then our, our last division is our field PIL. Um, and depending on the crisis, we may actually need to have a PIO on site of where the crisis is happening um, so that they can help to um, be that conduit for the media for what's happening on site. We're handling a lot of stuff back at the JIC, but sometimes you just need someone right there. Um, and it could be that your incident commander can't talk on, you know, camera or something like that at that moment in time because they're, they're super busy. So the PIO that's in the field would be able to give that interview uh, and, and make sure that that information is still coming out. And then when you think about a hurricane situation, when we start to evacuate, like I mentioned before, we're getting not only all of our local media, we're getting state media and we're getting, or I shouldn't say state media, regional media, and we're getting national media come into town. Um, so when you think about a, a evacuation assembly area, you've got thousands of people that you're moving through there. And then you now have a ton of news and camera crews there um, and sometimes you just need somebody there to assist them and say, okay, well, here's the, here's the ground rules. Um, this, you know, you can go and interview people. We'll provide you people that are official source information, but we need to go through this process. Um, and, and it helps the media to get what they need because that's our primary goal is to make sure that the media gets what they need and it allows it to be done in a, a very succinct fashion. Um, so that's what a field PIO does. That's, that's what makes up the JIC. Um, in, a, in a large activation, we're going to have anywhere from about 10 to 17 people working 24 hours. Um, so, you know, we divide those teams up. Um, but that's, that's kind of like the minimal amount of people that we need. We probably really need to actually grow a little bit more depth into that. Because if you have an activation, we've been fortunate. I think our longest activation that we've had uh, was about 17 days. And the crisis part, part of that was like mm, maybe 12, 13 days. But then we had some stuff afterwards that we had to stay activated for. But that begins to wear you out. When you go 17 days without a whole lot of sleep, no days off, by the time that you're done, all you want to do is sleep for, for three days straight. 
Um, but a way that a longer activation like that should work is that you have relief people that come in and take over for you, give you a day off, make sure you get eight hours of sleep, knock somebody like me in the head and say, get out of the jick. You've got to go to bed. Um, you know, that's, that's what, what we need. So we'll continue to add people to our roster um, so that we get that kind of depth. Hopefully we will never have to work a 17 day activation again. Um, that's, that's always our goal. We don't wanna have to work these things because we don't want to be in crisis, but the reality is we're going to. Um, and I can think of a lot of events that could go on a whole lot longer than 17 days. Um, so that's kind of where we are uh, with our staffing and what a JIT staff looks like. Um, I, I, I'm so proud of my people. I really am. Um, I'm so glad that I have the team that I have because they really are a team. I don't feel like I have to be a boss with them um, because they come together as a team and we all work together for a common goal, which is make sure that we get our information to our residents. That was beautiful, Catherine. I love it. I know, I have a little tear in my eye now. <laughs> oh, the, the love here, you can see it. Hopefully you guys can hear it and, and really understand. All right, so as we get ready to wrap up, we talked a whole lot of stuff there, just you know, very structural, very uh, technical. Let's talk about fun stuff. Give me an example of a time that we activated the JIC or something ridiculous happened or something that maybe you'll never forget. Um, I'm interested to see what stories you guys are going to pull because we all worked all the same, all the same events together. Well, I have to say the one that sticks out the most in my memory is definitely going to be hashtag running from a bobcat. Absolutely. So, I don't, um, I don't know how that could ever be topped. <laughs> I, I don't know. And I, you know, when this airs, we're going to have to send Nick, uh, a link so that he can see this Nick Beard, our, our former, um, uh, videographer and producer. Uh, he went out for damage assessment after a tornado hit Oatland Island. And we, Abby and I were sitting in the JIC. Um, and I think, I think Chelsea, you were there. You may have gone home by that time because I think you had worked earlier in the day. And so we're sitting there and we, we hear from our, our Chatham County pilot um, over at Mosquito Control that he can't get into the area where where we're doing damage assessment because there's a drone up. And we'd sent Nick out to do damage assessment and put the drone up. So yeah. I pick up the phone, I call him. Nick never answered on the first ring ever a day in his life. First ring, he answered things. Hello, hello. I'm like, hey, I need you to get that drone down because we need to get Scott into the area. He's like, I don't have a drone up. I don't have a drone up. We're running. And I'm like, you okay? He's like, we're running from the podcast. We're going to die. And then he hangs up on me. And I'm like, okay. And I remember looking over at Don Sullins in, in the, the command center there. And I said, well, Don, I have good news and I have bad news. Good news is it's not our drone. Bad news is all of our people may be dying right now by being mauled by a bobcat. And I remember Don just cool as a cucumber reaching over picking up his, his radio and saying SEMA 2 to SEMA 4, you guys alive? And, and SEMA 4 on the other side of that, Michael came back and he was like, yeah, I think we're okay. Oh, we can't find a bobcat, but I think we're okay. 
And uh, it turns out the bobcat was never out of its enclosure. It hid under a rock, but the people that were that were moving through damage assessment didn't know that and they had gotten word that it was out. So, you know, they were all panicked trying to get out of the area. Um, so after that, we came up with hashtag I'm running from a bobcat and we would just really give Nick hell over it. I think uh, there have been signs that have put a, been put on his office door. Um, I think we talked about a t-shirt at one point in time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, while it was a really serious, scary situation, looking back on it, we could really laugh and enjoy it. Um, Abby, I know you have memories from that night as well. Yeah, I don't know if you were in the room when this part happened, but um, we saw Michael on the news because it had he, it was the big SEMA jacket. We saw him from the back and they were like, oh, there's Michael. And then we were like, what if he turns around and it's actually a bobcat wearing that SEMA jacket? See, that's what happens when you've been in these situations for too long. You, your, your mind just goes different places because you're so tired. Um, but yeah, it was that was probably our, one of our most memorable uh, we've had lots of fun times in the JIC because you do have to make fun of yourself a lot. Um, I can remember uh, the person that we mentioned before, the, the one that helped me out during Matthew. She did a couple more storms with us. And I remember at one point in time, she was so tired. She sat down on top of a cooler. And next thing I know, her, her feet were going over her head as she slid off the back of this, you know, cooler that had drinks in it. And um, so, you know, I told her she did that and she didn't even have a drink. You know, she wasn't. Yeah, she was, she was stone cold sober. Um, so, you know, we have fun things that happen and we come up with, you know, we, we find our own way of making fun. Chelsea, one of the ones that we did, I think it was during Irma, where we had like the top 50 sayings that came out of the, the EOC. Um, yes. You know, the pine cone hits you at 39 miles an hour. It's still going to hurt. Um, so we had this whole list of things. You do things to to give yourself some comic relief, because if you're serious for 14 days straight, 24 seven, you're, you're not gonna make it out the other side alive. So, um, and then, you know, Abby, I'm, I'm gonna throw it to you for a second. Do you have any other funny stories before I, I wrap up my stories? Well, I mean, I just know that after lots of lack of sleep, we all get a bit delirious and silly. So there's nothing in particular, but I just know like we get to a point of silliness and then something will just set us off and we are cackling um, because yeah. we're just so sleep deprived. And it's a good stress reliever to have that moment because then you can get back and focus on, in on the job. Um, but I, I will say I've got to admire Nick's dedication to still answer his phone, even though he thought he was being chased by a bobcat. So absolutely and dedicated to his profession. Yes. <laughs> and I would say just, you know, going serious for a moment, Chelsea, but kind of wrapping this up for you. Um, working in a jig situation where you're in high stress all the time for days on end without relief, you get to know your team really well. And that may be people that you've been working with for years, or it may be like for me, when I worked the, the C-130 plane crash, I was working with somebody I'd never met before. He was a a military PIO. I never met him before, but really when you're in that kind of situation, you just kind of learn to gel together and you make lifelong friends. Uh, Roger and I will always be friends. We see each other every time he's in town or I'm up where he's stationed. Um, and you just come away being closer to people and really just making those friendships that are going to go past just a work environment. 
And I, I think that that's important. I mean, I talk about relationships a lot. Anybody who knows me knows that I talk about great relationship building. And it, to me, this is one of those places where you have to have that and you do make those friends that last for a lifetime. Okay, now I'm going to cry, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> wow. You know, I've said this a couple of times and I'm going to go back and watch this and say like, man, Catherine, you just said that so beautifully and so succinctly. Like you could tell that you podcast. So I think it's awesome. And I think this has been a treat to, to be able to interview and be interviewed at the same time, because it's all something that we're really passionate about. And we all feel like it's a really important job that we have every position within the EOC or emergency operations center is important, but there is definitely something special about the Joint Information Center team, because when your job is to communicate directly to the public about the, the hazards that, that our entire community is facing together, that takes a special type of person. And it takes a special, you know, a special team to be able to do that appropriately and in that timely manner. So I appreciate this amazing team and all the, all the members of our program it's been awesome. And I'm excited, you know, for, I can't say that I'm not excited for future ones, but I know that if we have to activate again, I know that it, it's going to be, it's going to be okay because we're going to be there together. So thank you guys Absolutely. for joining me today and, and talking a little bit about what it is that we do. I think you guys are awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us, Chelsea. You know, when you asked us to do this, I was like, Okay, well, I know that we'll have fun because the three of us always have fun together, but I'm not sure that people will really be interested in the JIC. But in listening to what we talked about, I really feel like it was informative for the public. So um, thank you again for having us. Thank you for doing this podcast to, to help our residents out. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully listeners, if you're ever inclined to be a troll on social media, you'll think twice after seeing all of our faces and realize that we're humans and we're just sending messages out that need to go out because it's the information that is there and it's it's what needs to go out. So there's my little tidbit as your social media. Yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> we are here to help and we're trying to keep everybody safe is really what we're what our role is. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. On that note, listeners, I hope you enjoyed. This is a totally different podcast than what we've done in the past, but I hope that it was informative and it was something fun and lighthearted. Hashtag running from a bobcat. Next week, we are doing something different yet again. And we are actually meeting again with Lee Harold um, with Occupational Safety, Risk Management and Disability Services. Remember, that's the very long name. But we're going to be doing fire safety. And it's a different type of fire safety because we're going to show you and explain for those that are listening how to use a fire extinguisher. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you guys are ready for it. Until then, thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.